The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Round Ball Stew, presented by Roto World and NBC Sports Edge. I'm Dan Fesciahu, fantasy basketball analyst, joined with Raphael Johnson, also of NBC and Roto World. Man, we got things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster trades. The NBA draft is only a couple of days away, and uh, there's tons of rumors floating around, so we're just going to get right into it. Raph, how surprised were you when once news dropped? Because Chris Paul was on a plane to New York in the yeah. time that he learned of his trade, but... Uh, yeah, what was your initial reaction to the Bradley Beal Chris Paul trade? I was surprised by the timing, um, but I think the deal had to get done. Yeah, I know some some have tried to make the links between you know the Sun CEO Josh Bartlestein being the son <laughs> of Bradley Beal's agent Mark Bartlestein. Um, I don't really think we can read too much into that, but if you look at the components of this trade, Washington did not get full, full value, and I think one thing to take away from is that we probably won't ever see another no trade clause in the NBA because there's no way that you can essentially let um, a player and his agent negotiate their own deal. (laughs) I feel bad for the front office because they didn't make this mess. You know, they're the new front office in DC. So they kind of had to just go with it, unfortunately. So yeah, man, uh, (laughs) Washington, it's a shame that Adam actually wasn't here. Um, yeah. he's, he's out on vacation <laughs> right now because I know as a Wizards fan, you got to feel horrible because mm-hmm. not only did Brandon Be- or Bradley Beal just lock you in uh, yeah. to this ridiculous situation, but you get next to nothing for him after just mm-hmm. handing him you know, that amount of money. Um, yeah, this sucks for the Wizards. You know, At this point, you got to expect they're not going to be re-signing. I mean, I would expect them to not go for KP or Kyle Kuzma anymore. Mm-hmm. Um all signs seem to be going towards a tank. And for the Phoenix yeah. Sun side of things, I don't know. This isn't 2016, right? Like, we're trying to form super teams, and I just don't understand. Um, from a basketball standpoint, like, cool, you got some firing power on offense, but offense wasn't the problem. Is your defense. Yeah. And you got a disgruntled center, and you lost your head coach. So mm-hmm. there's just way too much moving parts for me to buy into Phoenix right now. We'll talk about the fantasy implications of that in a little bit. But, yeah, the framework of the deal – it was Bradley Beal for Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd for um, Chris Paul, a slew of picks. Um, just not I, Landry Shamit too. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget Landry Shamit, uh, key yeah. piece in that deal. Um, all right, from a fantasy perspective, what do you think that this does for the big, the new big three that is going to get crushed by the CBA in a matter of years? Um, but <laughs> just a whole nother thing. Um, but what are your, what are your initial your reactions to this? I can see the excitement just because you have three star players, but I think we need to take a step back with regard to Bradley Beal. Um, very talented scorer, but he hasn't played more than 60 games in the season since 2018, 19. Um, the max would be 60 in the 2020, 21 campaign. 
other than that, it's been 50, 50, 40, 57, 40, and 50 games. So that's another reason why the Suns' lack of depth at this point is a major concern because you're going to ask him, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant to take on an extremely heavy workload. And all those guys have had injury issues in, in recent years. So I think that may be why they held DeAndre Ayton back in this deal. Um, because I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to him because of their need for depth. I think they only have six players under contract right now. And he's that one carrot that they can probably move for for depth um, to help that team and maybe replenish some of the draft capital they've lost in the Durant and Beal trades. So I think fantasy-wise, I think Beal, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, what, top 50? Um, I've, I've been high on him in the past only for, only to be bitterly disappointed. Um, I'd like to see what they do with that point guard position. Is it Cameron Payne starting? Do they ask Beal or Booker to take on those responsibilities? I think that's going to be the key question that, to answer before we really delve into his his fancy value next season. Oh man, I got I got a few thoughts here. I I agree with the fact that you know I I, I wouldn't pay for Bradley Beal by name at this point. The yeah. reliability or or lack of um, availability on the court is just a huge concern. And then also it's not like he's been, I mean, he did shoot 50% from the field last year, mm-hmm. which is that that was his best mark of his career. But if you look at his three point, I mean, you got to imagine he's going to be some doing mostly catch and shoot type of things. Um, I imagine Booker and him would probably rotate playing point guard a little bit more, but I mean, he shot he's two years removed from shooting 30% from the three point line. Um, Traditionally, I'd say he's about a 35% shooter, three-point shooter. And the assists, you know, he's always good for at least four or five rebounds, four or five. So, like, kind of similar to Devin Booker's stat lines um, a few years ago. But I I feel like he's going to take a hit in the points department. I I don't see him getting, you know, 25, 26, or even, like, the 30s, obviously, that he was getting earlier days when he was actually healthy. He's averaged 23 points over the last couple years. So, I'm I'm expecting that to be more like a 20, 25, and 5 kind of guy, which – Top 50, I'd probably move him back a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but he's still a mid-round pick. Like, I think he's going to be fine, obviously, with more attention going to Durant and Booker. Maybe that opens up more offense for him and efficiency-wise. But, um, yeah, this is just an interesting move. They got to move Aiton, though, because their depth is mm-hmm. just non-existent right now. So that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Aiton to probably be moved here. Um they're not going to be able to afford to have all those guys on the contracts that they're making um, beyond this year. So um, let's go to the Washington side of things. Chris Paul, you know, he's been moved around a lot. Know that there's a meme going around with him, John Wall and Russell Westbrook seemingly Mm -hmm. swapping squads. Um, Do you think he's going to stay in Washington? And if he doesn't, what do you think that he's, you know, is his next destination? I can't see him staying. Like his timeline is too different from what they're, the franchise's timeline appears to be. Um, they're clearly in a rebuilding mode. Now, if he were to stay, I think if they were to say draft Anthony Black with the eighth overall pick, uh, the point Black guard out of Arkansas, he would be a good mentor for him. You know, they still have Monte Morris as well, but you learn from a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer whenever yeah. his career ends. So that'll be great for Anthony. But I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, he's still on that, on that quest for a championship. I think he winds up in L.A. Whether it's the Clippers or Lakers, we'll have to see. But I think those are two franchises that both have needs at the point guard position. And they're both spots where he may not have to do as much from a scoring standpoint. 
um, as he did in Phoenix, just because even though they had Booker and Aiton, besides that, before the Durant trade, they really didn't have too much in terms of offensive firepower overall. So I think either L.A. spot would be a good situation for Chris Paul. That's kind of what I'm expecting at this point. Yeah, me too. I'm expecting him to go to either the Lakers, which makes a ton of sense just because he's boys with LeBron, has experience playing with him. Um, I think that lob threat with AD makes a lot of sense. He doesn't have to do a lot in an offense like the Los Angeles Lakers, just you know, be a high IQ point guard, don't turn over the ball. Pretty much everything that Russell Westbrook was not in that situation. Um, but then on the Clippers side of things, I think that also that that scenario makes a lot of sense. Definitely would be concerned about the injury risks of mm-hmm. Paul, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Paul in a squad together. Rumors are Markeith Morris is disgruntled. He wants – apparently he might be on the outs in Los Angeles. So, oh, that's, I don't know. That's they, Marcus. Marcus Morris. Yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Marcus. Yeah, right. good call. Um, but, yeah, he's he, I guess he didn't like his playing time over the, la- the mm-hmm. last uh, portion of the season. And so, like, I don't know. They got front court issues uh, to deal with. But I, I don't know what the better scenario would be. I would imagine the Lakers just being that they got yeah. to the, you know, right on the brink of the uh, the Western Conference Finals there. I mean, they almost made it to the championship. They didn't get in the way of the Nuggets, mm-hmm. uh, that juggernaut. But I think that that actually would be a nice upgrade for the Lakers um, if they can make that work. Clippers, not really excited about. Saw some rumors about Paul George potentially being in play for the mm-hmm. Trailblazers at that number three pick. Um so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, decide to keep this this crew together, uh, being that they just have so much injury risk and can't stay, can't seem to stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I would I wouldn't imagine Chris Paul is going to stay in Washington very long. Doesn't really make sense, as you said, with the timeline of where he's at in his career. He wants to be on a contender. That's certainly not the Washington Wizards. Um, but yeah, more news that came out uh, this week is that John Morant is going to be out for 25 games. He's suspended for 25 games heading into the season. I think a little bit more surprising, and you might have seen this too, Raph, was that Tyus mm-hmm. Jones is is reportedly uh, being shopped around for some deals, uh, which is kind of surprising considering that, yeah. you know, they just lost, you know, their point guard for 25 games. Um, we'll talk, start with the suspension first. Are you surprised at the length of it? Um, did hear that his camp, John Morantz, is, is definitely uh, feeling like they're – you know, this isn't precedented, you know, mm-hmm. a bit, a bit, a bit uh, too much. Um, I think every casual basketball fan or onlooker would probably think that <laughs> this seems sufficient uh, yeah. given the antics and the magnitude of it and the platform that he has. Um, but what does that mean from a fancy perspective, especially if Tyus Jones potentially could be on the move elsewhere? I think if anything, I think you mentioned him last week, Desmond Bain. I think he shoots up draft rankings, you know, preseason draft rankings, regardless of what happens with John Morant, uh, with uh, Tyus Jones, I should say. We've seen him take on more playmaking responsibilities um, over as he's progressed in his career, and he's done a good job of it. I don't know if they'd want him to be a full-time point guard um, if they move Tyus Jones as well, but I think Desmond Bain is someone that I wouldn't be shocked if he made a run at top 25 value uh, this season. Um, he played very well. I think he was, what, fourth-round value this past year. I think he can be even better. No John Morant for 25 games, as long as he stays healthy with what he can give offensively and defensively. Also, no Dylan Brooks, since it's already been made known that he won't be back in Memphis. Desmond Bain, I think he's going to be a fantasy stud this season. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we tried to get ahead of it by a week, but uh, yeah. I mean, the news just continues to fall. I mean, I, I, I got to mm. expect, like, it, it's got to be a nice offer for Tyus Jones if they're going to get rid of him. I think just given the situation, they're trying to compete. You got to have him there to kind of anchor that that backcourt. But mm. totally agree. If he's gone and maybe they get something back in return that's not addressing their backcourt needs, Desmond Bain, I'm all in. Like, I'm pushing mm. the chips. That's a top, that's top 20 potential right there. I mean, he finished 32nd last season and um if you could see an uptick in those assists with his ability to shoot he doesn't turn over the ball a lot um the steals are certainly there yeah i i got top 20 top 25 definitely in the cards there for him um but being that we're in draft season the draft's going to be coming up in a couple of days but there's going to be news breaking all moments of the time all moments of the day make sure you're downloading the roto world app to receive breaking player news all season long Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting your players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available at your app store today. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're going to be having a lot of alerts coming off of that Roto World app because, I mean, the rumors that are just circulating, Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about it. But at the top, I think everyone's pretty much wondering what's up with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Are they going to rebuild around him? Are they going to spend that number three pick? Are they going to trade it with Anthony Simons? What do you think that they should do? And what do you think is actually going to happen? That's a good question. Um, I think they're going to hold, I think I would move Damian Lillard. I've come, I kind of come around on this at first, like, you know, hold on to him, keep him. But that price tag, it makes it really difficult to rebuild. Um, given the situation that they're in, you know, not just him, but you're playing, you're paying use of Nurkic as well. I don't think that extensions worked out too much, if at all. Um, you've got a promising young talent in Shaden Sharp. Being able to add either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson to that group, to what they're trying to build there, add him alongside Shaden Sharp. Anthony Simons, what happens with him? I think that would be a better course <laughs> of action. I'm starting to look at Dame like. We looked at like Ray Bork with the Boston Bruins back in the day. Where it's mm. like he stayed there for so long, was so loyal to that franchise. At a certain point, it's like you're not going to win a Stanley Cup here. Just try to move you somewhere where you can. 
They moved him to Colorado, and we saw him lift Stanley Cup. I think they may try to do something similar with Damian Lillard because Portland, even if they move Simons in that number three pick, I don't think they're all that close unless they're getting like an all-NBA caliber center in return because I think that's where they they really need to upgrade, and it might that may not be enough to pay for that type of big man. Yeah, you're right. And that was the the rumor that I saw was that the Portland Trailblazers are interested in Bam Adebayo. That would be the defensive anchor that you're talking about there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but <laughs> I don't see that. But, like, but how is that going to happen? Like, Miami's yeah. not letting him go after what he just did. So, yeah, I think that's wishful thinking on Portland's part. They, I, I agree. They need to get rid of Damian Lillard at this point. I think you have an opportunity. I don't know whether Scoot or Brandon Miller is going to be two or three. I Man, if the Hornets pass on Scoot, that's just going to be an L. But <laughs> either way, they're going to be in good situation because they're going to get Brandon Miller to build around Shady Sharp, and they'll have Anthony Simon seemingly. Um, yeah, I don't know what that offer is going to look like, but it's going to be a hefty one because um, mm-hmm. Damian Lillard, I think, where his leverage stands, if they walk out of the draft making one of those two selections, that's pretty much indicating like, hey, we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna build around this. It's time to go. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be a fun Thursday Thursday night when we see what happens here, um, and if Dame is on the move or whether they decide to you know package a couple players, maybe get a veteran in there and pull off a blockbuster and bring another superstar to Portland, which would be pretty interesting for Damian Lillard. But yeah, my what I want to happen probably isn't going to happen. I think, I, man, Dame's just been so loyal, so yeah. loyal. Like, what is this the, the final time? If they draft a rookie, I think it is. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, Draymond Green, unsurprisingly, opted out of his player option for $27 million. Um, So he'll be a free agent, unrestricted. There's a new GM um, in charge of the Golden State Warriors. That is Mike Dunleavy Jr., former Dookie, former Warrior. Um, Pop was a very prominent coach, so he knows the game. I think he's been learning from, you know, one of the best in Bob Myers. You got to you got to feel like they're going to try to figure this out. Right. And the reports are that right now they're wanting to keep Jordan Poole. Um, Some of the comments offseason from Steve Kerr and and also Draymond Green suggested that there was some internal turmoil that kind of messed up the chemistry, especially um, as they're going through the playoffs. They didn't have that uh, continuity or that chemistry that they typically do have in those situations. So did they get over it? Uh, Kaminga reportedly could be on the block and he's apparently seven, two says Andre Higadala now. Um, what do you think the Warriors are going to do with Draymond and is he going to run it back or do you see clutch sports here making a move to pair Draymond with, I don't know, uh, some other clutch client that, uh, he's become pretty fond of over the years. I find it funny that Draymond would be one of the people citing the chemistry issues. Hey, bro, you snuffed the man on camera. It's pretty Uh, ironic, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's like that's that's an issue, you know. That's a bit problematic right there. But I think they will work something out to where he returns. But I think the question is, he looking for that last major payday? Um, Because obviously, I think he's got more years behind him than ahead of him with regard to his NBA career. I don't think he's going to get $27 million on the open market from another team. Um, it's funny, he kind of alluded to the possibility of going to the Lakers, you know, joining up with LeBron. Maybe that happens, but I really think they're going to try to – I think he's going to wind up back with the Warriors, maybe taking less money 
Um, but they'll try to figure some things out. You know, Jordan Poole, his new deal starts up. He's got four years. I think they still look at him as someone who's going to be that connector between the old guard and then the new era of Warriors basketball. So they're going to try to figure that out. I think the Kaminga situation is what interests me the most. Um, we heard him say after the season ended, I'm going to sit down with the representation and try to figure out what his role is going to be. He's kind of in and out in the rotation. They'd obviously like to see him playing more. Um, what happens there? You know, if they don't hear the right answers or the Warriors don't look at him as like a consistent guy, they try to move him. You know, I think Moses Moody has similar questions, although he did play more in the playoffs than Kaminga did. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think the only person that's truly safe is Steph Curry. Clay Thompson's eligible for an extension. What kind of money is he going to be looking for? I think that's a fun fun conversation to have. Do you get paid off of what you've done or what you can do? Because there's a clear separation, you know, because of those injuries that he suffered which is really unfortunate, but yeah, Mike Dunleavy Jr., he's got an unenviable task of figuring this thing out, but if he figures it out, that's a title contender right there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely would be, but I don't know, man. I feel like uh, the Warriors, that, you know, Steve Kerr made a point about, you know, people understand their role and kind of being mature enough to kind of, Mm respect that the the development process and yep. it seems like Kaminga's kind of like not interested in that like nah man like I'm, <laughs> I'm good like give me some minutes yeah. so yeah. I, I don't know I feel like this is a, a really good opportunity for the Warriors and Mike Dunleavy Jr. to uh make a splash early on yeah. um they're rumored to want to move up into the top 10 to grab a player I've seen Indiana floated around I think that'd be really fun um if if he could manage to get up with Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton um, but I don't know, like, we'll see where the Warriors kind of land here and what moves they kind of make. But I think they do have a little bit of young assets to move. I ex- expect them to move Kaminga over Moses Moody because of what you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, Moody's already shown, um, a trust within that, within that brass, uh, that he was earning minutes in the playoffs yeah. there over Kaminga. Um, and he played very well too, um, in, mm-hmm. the, in the limited minutes that he showed up. Um, but yeah, the Warriors have a serious question to make, man. They got a money problem. Is Dre willing to take less money? I think it's what it's going to come yeah. to be. Um, maybe there's going to be some restructuring going on. I don't know, but uh, that's going to be an expensive. The Warriors have always been over the cap, but with that new CBA, mm-hmm. man, it's really going to hit some of these these teams and their depth opportunities. Like there's no mid level exceptions. There's you know, signing these vets for dirt cheap. It just isn't going to come yeah. around anymore. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Draymond. But uh, no surprise that he's you know, opting out definitely makes business sense for him to do so, but we'll see if his career continues. Uh, I'd be very curious to see what his fantasy appeal will look like in another uniform. We haven't had the chance yeah. to really see that. Um, but you got to imagine, like, I don't know, the opportunity to go back to Detroit, play for his hometown. Um, uh, there's some appeal there with M- Monty Williams. No, <laughs> no. I just remember that, that season the Warriors had, you know, was it 2019-20? They didn't even qualify for the bubble. Yeah, and I think injuries. he even admitted like his lack of interest, you know, just because they weren't in the running for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're probably I don't not know about right sending him <laughs> to Detroit. Yeah, under those circumstances. But what if they give him like thirty? I mean, maybe if they give him like thirty mil a year, forty mil. Like <laughs> Adam Silver would have to fire people if they did that. <laughs> like, good for him if he got it, but yeah, you know, yeah. They, 
don't know, man. Rich Paul be getting everybody their wishes. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, but yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he's leaving Golden yeah. State, man. He wants to. He wants to get rings. That's what he's about, mm-hmm. and wisely so. Um, but on the same tip, we we talked about uh, briefly Jordan Poole likely staying. Michael Dunleavy mm-hmm. Jr. wants him. Do you think that they're going to figure it out? Do you think Poole is going to be over it? That's another, in my opinion, another really interesting trade yeah. piece to dangle with Kaminga if you wanted to. His contract's similar to Tyler Heroes. It, it's a lot, but mm-hmm. for the youth and what Jordan Poole has shown when he's been given starters minutes, I'm interested. I, I could be interested yeah. in that. I th- I think he'll stick around. Um, I don't think they're just kind of saying that just to say it. I think they see him as a, a, a clear piece of that foundation moving forward. Um, like you said, you know, the minutes are going to be key for him um, because he, he can be a bit erratic with the shot selection. And if you're not playing like starters minutes, that efficiency or lack thereof can be a bit problematic. So uh, I think – I don't know if he's going to be a top 100 player, but I don't think he'll be too far out of that threshold, personally. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder, does Jordan Poole's fantasy value only hinge on him being a starter? Yeah. And, you know, just the drop-off in, in production. Um, when Steph Curry gets hurt, this guy is money. But when, you know, he's coming off the bench, I feel like he's just one of those rhythm guys. Like, he's not a microwave where – where he can just come in. I mean, he can still come in and give you 20. It's just a matter of can he consistently do that. And I think we've shown he's shown that he's a bit um, clumsy with the ball. You know, I don't know. It just seems like he doesn't have that confidence that he has when he's an actual starter. So uh, that dynamic is certainly interesting. I doubt he's going to be demanding a trade or anything like that. He's already won a championship. He's probably going to inherit. Um, I don't know how long Steph Curry is going to play for, but I think that they signed him up with the intention of him being, you know, one of the futures of that, of that franchise. So, uh, we'll see how they how they how they kind of navigate this, but Mike Dunleavy Jr. certainly has uh, he has some good things to play with here. Uh, that sounded weird. Um, he has some nice <laughs> aspects to play with um, as we go into the draft here. If the the Warriors want to get youth, if they want to acquire other veterans, I'm sure Pascal Siakam's probably going to come up. I don't know. I if I'm them, I'd be probably calling the Indiana Pacers right now mm-hmm. and trying to work that. I don't know some kind of Kaminga deal some other asset to get miles Turner. I feel like that's a, a player that you'll want to get to disrupt. If you're going to have to go through the West, through all those bigs, you got to get someone that can actually contest yeah. a shot. Um, I feel like him with Kevon Looney would actually be a pretty formidable um, front court there. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm them, that's what I would be. That would be chasing or, you know, maybe it's a Clint Capella, someone that just can just rim pr- protect a little bit, be a lot yeah. uh, rim runner, not have to d- command much of the offense, just play defense and, and set screens. Um, but yeah, we got the draft. I know we've been talking about it a lot. We'll dig into it a little bit more here, but before you're prepping for your actual drafts, I know fantasy football is about to kick off very soon. Every season is draft season. Roto world, get your Roto world draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections order today and get all three Roto world draft guides for the price of two. Use promo code Barry, that is B-E-R-R-Y, and you'll get an extra 20% at checkout. Um, so let's go to the draft a little bit. Victor Webinyana is going to be number one overall pick. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, debatable who's going to go number two right now. Um, I think we're both team Scoot. Um, 
But so when we're talking about rookie of the year right now, the odds on favorite is Victor by a wide margin. Um, do you think that Chet and or Scoot could compete for rookie of the year honors? Do you think we're maybe we're overvaluing Victor, Victor and his opportunity, I guess, going into the league from day one? What are your expectations there? And like, are you are you higher on a person like Chet or or Scoot in terms of fantasy? I I think Victor, I think the betting odds are, are proper. I think Victor Wimanyama is a clear favorite for rookie of the year. It's going to take a lot to unseat the top overall pick when it comes to rookie of the year because they're, they're usually in a situation where they can hit the ground running as a primary um, participant within the system that they're in. So I think he's going to be fine there. And I'm glad you mentioned Chet Holmgren because I think at times when a guy sits out an entire season, there can be a tendency to forget about him when he's coming back. Um, he could very well play in summer league, so that'll give us an idea of how he can, how he's moving around and whatnot after that foot injury. But I think he's someone that I don't think he'll be on par with Wembenyama when it comes to like draft placement. Like Wembenyama is going to be like a third or fourth round at worst guy in a lot of fantasy leagues. But Chet Holmgren, I think middle round might be a bit conservative for him, um, given what that Thunder team needs. You know, Alexei Pokushevsky suffered another injury, you know, during the offseason here with the broken arm. But he wasn't giving too much in terms of consistent production. And they really don't have too many other options in that front court either. When we look at consistent fantasy level production, Holmgren blocked three shots per game at Gonzaga. So that that statistic alone makes him a very valuable player in terms of fantasy. He can score all three levels, um, solid rebounder. I think he's someone that seventh round, I think I would probably take him off the board. I'd take him before any other rookie in this class personally, other than Wembenyama, obviously. I'm torn because I feel like the landing spot for Scoot could lend itself to be a huge opportunity for fantasy purposes. And um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and I think it's an interesting point. Um, Not that, not that Wemby has injury issues, but he has had injuries before. And as a big man coming into the league, looking at Chet Holmgren, for example, and many others, um, is there a possibility he doesn't play 65 games? I think so. He would have to qualify. In order to qualify for Rookie of the Year, he has to play 65 mm-hmm. games, right? I would actually bank on Scoot Henderson playing more games than Wemby and arguably Chet if he lands with Charlotte because Charlotte mm-hmm. would likely move Terry Rozier. They'd figure it out, right? Like, they're not going to have yeah. him and Terry, I doubt. Um, but then if he's in Portland, they're probably going to trade Dame, and then you have Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp. Like, I think he could luck into, you know, he could still be like a an impactful guard there, mm-hmm. scoring and, and assist-wise. He might have the best stat line. Uh, he could have a better stat line than Wemby. Like, the thing about Wemby that I'm wondering about is, like, I've seen certain markets with his player props, um, season-long player props, his points average is like 16 and a half. And his rebounds is seven and a, uh, eight and a half, I believe, and blocks mm-hmm. are two and a half. That's a lot. I mean, that's some pretty serious production year yeah. one. What are the chances that Popovich gives him kid gloves a little bit? Like, he's already rumored to not even be playing in the summer <laughs> league. So, like, it already shows me, like, all right, you're going to handle with care, bring him along, get him to know, understand the Spurs way. Part of me thinks that Scoot Henderson might make more of an impact out the gates. And then you have Chet that's been watching on the bench for an entire year waiting to waiting to get into that action, especially with Oklahoma city being better than they ever have been. 
I'd actually, I think that Chet and Scoot could be better value than Victor heading into the next season for fantasy purposes. Like you can, as you said, mm-hmm. getting Chet at like in the seventh round, that's awesome. I mean, because him and Wemby are, have very similar profiles in terms of their blocks, their shooting. Um, I don't know. They're both skinny and tall, right? Like, and, <laughs> and, and do things that normal people mm-hmm. that are that tall and that large uh, don't do. So, um, and then Scoot, I think just will, I don't know. He just seems like a bulldog, man. I was watching yeah. that Met 92 game with them in G League at night, and he was just going at Wemby every chance he got. Like, he tried to dunk on the man. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't succeed, but like, I, I appreciate the confidence, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see what it do, but like, yeah, I would, I would just wait on those guys. I think that they, they might be, they might be on the court more and provide similar scoots. Probably not going to have, I mean, defensively, I don't know what scoots going to yeah. do, but I think he's going to do numbers. I'll put it that way. Like enough to get in consideration for rookie of the year. I think with Wimbanyama, I would also note the difference in the schedules. Like he just finished up his regular season. Good point. With Mets 92. The Spurs are in two summer leagues. So you think about that. There's no reason for them to have him play in both. I would expect that he sits out the uh, the Salt Lake City one and then plays a couple games in Vegas. And then after that, you've got the FIBA World Cup where he's going to be playing with Team France. That's like, what, mid to late August, I believe. So he's going to have a busy summer. So I guess that kind of works in hand with your point about potential kid gloves um, where they kind of try to pace his workload. I think that'll be more for like a summer league type deal as opposed to like the regular season. I think yeah, it'll be all systems go once we hit that the beginning of the season in mid-October. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that he's going to play in two summer leagues. He's actually going to be in the California classic. Okay. California. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But same, same, same thing. Um, yeah. I would doubt given the, yeah, I would doubt that he's going to be playing in the California classic. He'll probably maybe play one game in, in Vegas possibly, mm-hmm. but I don't, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, man. I feel like most, most prominent uh, top picks play at least a couple of games unless barring injury or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was probably the best we've ever seen of Ben Simmons. Those, those highlight mm-hmm. reels. It's like, damn, this guy's going to be great. He yeah. was great for a time. And then, <laughs> yeah. It, it, something else happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be exciting either way. Um, I would still draft Victor high. I'm not saying that I'm out on Victor. I'm just, I, I don't, I'm just trying to temper expectations because I've never really been super high on rookies anyway. I love his mm-hmm. blocking potential, but I feel like, you know, some of these, expect him to give you 20 10 and three blocks out the gates i like i, I don't i don't know yeah, that i'm that's, there that's on his much. dominance that way mm-hmm. yeah um or you have the impact of like a lebron did when he when he came in as a rookie mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts on the pelicans and their potential opportunity to get into that number three pick apparently they're more interested in brandon ingram oh, oh sorry that was the charlotte hornets yeah. um zion's been floated brandon ingram's been floated they want scoot um, what are your thoughts on the Pelicans actually ending up making a move? David Griffin's definitely been aggressive um, mm-hmm. in acquiring players, so I wouldn't put it out of question, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you kind of wonder um, what happens with C.J. McCollum, you know, in terms of his his role. I, I think he'll still figure prominently, but they're looking to bring in a guy in Scoot Henderson who, like him, is a combo guard. I don't know. You know, I think obviously if you had to choose, I would much rather hold. I think the intrigue of Zion in terms of the potential, 
I understand why there's some discussion about him, but I don't know if New Orleans is too thrilled with paying him the contract that they've given him. It's not fully guaranteed, but they just let go of the assistant coach he was most connected to in Teresa yeah. Weatherspoon. Yeah, good point. <clears throat> and you think about the recent off-court issues and also the availability issues in terms of playing. That part. If you can get someone to buy to bite, you know, for a significant package, and if it's Portland, you get that number three pick as well. I think if you're New Orleans, you strongly consider it. You know, obviously there's a concern that you move Zion, he could absolutely take off, but and I, I don't know how much longer you can afford to wait if you're them. Yeah, especially where they're at in the Western Conference, right? Yeah. Like they're mm-hmm. right now they're they were very good in the beginning of the season, then they kind of tapered off as the injuries started to mount. Um, yeah, if Scoot is your guy, I feel like you got to get your guy. And mm-hmm. I, I think Zion Williamson's had plenty of time to prove to that organization whether he's truly the franchise and cornerstone piece. Yeah. Doesn't seem like he's particularly bought into that all the way. So I don't know. I feel like you you do have to at a certain point you I don't know if you can get value for him, like take the opportunity, but mm-hmm. you could regret it, but I don't know, maybe not. So that that's why they get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Um but uh yeah, I, I think it's gonna be an interesting it's I think they're gonna be in place certainly to try to make a move. We'll see what happens. There also been some rumors of the Charlotte Hornets targeting Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I think everyone you know, fantasy or basketball fan would love to see what a Lamelo Ball Zion Williamson uh, combination would look like, especially mm-hmm. in the in transition. Um, but yeah, more more to more to uh, more to come there for sure. Um, Zach Levine is another guy that's been rumored to be on the block. Are you expecting him to leave the Bulls at some point in this offseason? I don't, just because the Bulls really haven't shown much in terms of being ambitious with regard to roster moves. Um, Probably going to re-sign Nikola Vucevic. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan's under contract as well. Zach Levine's got, I think, what, three or three or four more years guaranteed on his contract. Yeah. So they have to move someone in order to have the flexibility needed to put together a contending roster. But I just don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, it's oof. yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to do it either. At this point, for what they've mortgaged for Vucevic, gotta re-sign him. Um they're just hurting at a point guard spot. So like, I don't, yeah, I just don't know if they're going to get that. I mean, they could get a substantial amount for Levine. I just don't know where that's going to really take their franchise. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like if they move Levine, I almost feel like DeMar DeRozan be like, why am I, what, what are we yeah. doing here? So yeah, I doubt that he's moved unless it's for a substantial offer that the bulls can't, can't refuse. Um, the other team that I think is probably going to have some movement with Fred Van Vliet declining his player option. Do you think that Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, one of those two, are going to be moved? I, I would imagine Ano uh, OG. Um, he's mm-hmm. been rumored to be interested by bl- the Blazers and a handful of other teams. Um, do you think that um, the Raptors will actually end up moving one of those two, if if not both? I think they will, just because there's a clear desire to free up Scotty Barnes. Um, we've seen him play some point guard in the past, but I don't think that's a full time role for him. I think he's more of a secondary playmaker on the wing. That'll be where he would be best served. And if you're going to do that, you need to move one of those two. I think Ananobi, I think he has untapped potential offensively, but he's an elite defender. Yeah, I think they can get a good return on him. Just a matter of how much they're going to ask for from from teams in terms of the trade market. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and I agree. Yeah, I think that OG hasn't really had the opportunity so so yeah. much as to to really just to show what he can do offensively. Um, being that they had so much usage going to you know Van Vliet and, and Siakam over the years, and even Gary Trent Jr., who's never mm-hmm. scared to take a shot. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that that's a that's a really good point. I think OG is certainly going to be the one that's more likely to be moved. But I think this is all a means to to free up Scotty Barnes, which mm-hmm. in theory would pr- produce some more fantasy value for him. He didn't have a it's not that he had a bad season. He just didn't improve that much from his rookie season. Mm-hmm. It was pretty comparable numbers, um, slight downtick in a couple of areas. But, you know, I think that Scotty Barnes certainly has the the ability to showcase like, a really solid fantasy profile. So yeah. um, he's someone that I'm going to be looking at, depending on what the Toronto Raptors do moving up in draft boards. Um, and then also a lot of rumors around the Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks potentially making a, a, a deal here. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it was reported by Jake Fisher, Yahoo Sports, that they are discussing a deal in which Atlanta would send the 15th overall pick and John Collins to Dallas in exchange for the 10th overall pick and Davis Bertans. Um, <laughs> apparently, Dallas would much prefer Clint Capella. They, they have an obvious need to upgrade the center position. Capella, who's been a very good fantasy center and overall center in, in Atlanta, would clearly do that compared to the pieces that the Mavericks currently have. No dice on the, on the Hawks front, apparently. Um, so, yeah, why, why would they do that, um, obviously? So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because we've heard John Collins' name come up in trade rumors for Lord years. knows how many years now. <laughs> uh, but he's still in Atlanta. Will this be the summer he finally gets moved and – if he does get moved, will he be in a situation where he could potentially take off from a fantasy standpoint? Like, I don't think Dallas would be a good spot for him to do that because you have Luca, especially if they re-sign Kyrie Irving. But John Collins gets in the right situation where he's not like the third or fourth option. They ask him to stand in the corner. I think he, a move would be really good for him fantasy-wise. A move for him would be great fantasy wise because yeah. John Collins was awful mm-hmm. last year. And it's not that he was like, I mean, field goal percentage, like he's still a very efficient fantasy basketball player. Yeah. The problem was is that, man, like he just didn't do anything in terms of the production that he was used to in the past, mm-hmm. like career low or next to his rookie season in, in points, rebounds weren't there. Uh, man, it just wasn't a good season for him. And I think that he's, I don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's playing inspired basketball at this point. Quinn Snyder didn't do anything to really unlock him yeah. in terms of um, his potential. So yeah, I think a, a move would definitely be in his uh, would definitely be a great thing. Um, I was trying to see. I actually wrote um, one. Of, I wrote an article a week ago about uh, five burning questions that I had, and the first one, the, one of the first ones at the top of the list was, "Will John Collins finally be traded?" Uh, so it's funny that you said that. Um, he finished. So this is the since his first time since his rookie since his rookie season that he didn't finish inside the top 100. So that's a pretty substantial leap for a guy that was a top 50 player the four previous seasons. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're from a fantasy perspective that that this guy is legit. So yeah, I would welcome any change in scenery. I actually think the Dallas Mavericks would actually be a really good fit. I think he's a better version of Christian Wood. A um, little less defensive, but, you know, also doesn't make the defensive mistakes. Yeah. Um, Christian Wood's good at shot, blo- shot blocking, but he can't play, like, team defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but but I feel like John Collins actually would be a pretty interesting fit next to Luca. But I understand why the Dallas Mavericks would definitely position themselves to try to get Clint Capella because I think mm-hmm. that he's more of the the impact player that you'll want, especially going through that gauntlet of big men in the Western yeah. Conference. Maxi Kleba ain't gonna cut it. JaVale McGee at this age isn't gonna cut it. So um, yeah, more power to them. I think DeAndre Ayton would also be an interesting mm-hmm. uh, maneuver if they could do that. Um, yeah, I expect Dallas to make a move. One way or another, we talked about it before, but um, they do hold that number 10 pick. Potentially, they could have Derek Lively slide in the draft. Um, He has been moving up quite a bit. He's drawn comparisons to the likes of Tyson Chandler, um, who won a ring with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, But yeah, he's just, he he seems like he's going to be a pretty good rim protector. He said Mm -hmm. he wants to showcase his shooting ability as well, something he hasn't really had an opportunity to do at Duke. Um, he is super young, so he's, I'm sure he's going to have to develop in certain areas. But I don't know. It seems like the Dallas Mavericks have a pretty good situation here if they can land him and or make a move for a big man, potentially with the Hawks. And whether it be John Collins, Clint Capella, we'll see. Um, but want to close out the show, man, um, paying homage to Lou Williams. He retired after a very storied career, man. One of the last guys to come out of high school. Um, I think Monte Ellis was like the, 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 the official last one, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, for him to come out of high school um, and and make the impact that he did, three six-man of the year awards under his belt, um, really didn't really didn't get to play that much, you know, for his first, like, five years in the league because he was playing behind Allen Iverson um, and learning the game. But, um, yeah, just give me your thoughts on Lou Will and what he did, and uh, do you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? The underground goat. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer. I don't know about first ballot, but I right. think – you know, you talk about the great six men in NBA history. I think he's on that short list. Um, Jamal Crawford's another one. Manu Ginobili, um, he's in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Uh, at least he'll be going in this fall, I believe. Uh, those three have to be mentioned. Um, like you mentioned, Lou didn't play much, you know, when he was in Philadelphia just because of who he was behind. But, you know, he made a name for himself, carved out a role, a consistent role for himself, and was elite in that role for a number of years. So, more power to Lou. Um, interested to see what's next for him, but it was certainly fun to watch him play. Yeah, man. Um, growing up as a Philly guy, I, I love Lou <laughs> Will. Um, didn't imagine that his game would translate the way that it did. Um, because at first, like, I feel like he was just a bucket, but you know, yeah. the way that he was able to hit his spots and, and find his shot, cause he wasn't o- the most athletic, um, sneaky hops. Um, but, yeah, the way that he was able to have such a long career, um, successful career on multiple different mm-hmm. teams, um, was always in the playoffs, um, just pro- providing that microwave bucket off the bench. Fantasy perspective, he had a couple of seasons, um, three seasons in the top uh, top 75 over the years. Um, obviously, the, the role kind of diminished over as he got older. Um, but I, I think he definitely had some fantasy viability throughout the years um, for the Clippers and – um, definitely for the uh, who else was he balling for? Um, Houston, he was pretty good too. That was when he was, you know, top 70. Um, but yeah, shout out to Lou Will, man. That was a great career. So that'll do it for Round Ball Stew this week. Um, make sure you tap in with us next week. We'll definitely be talking about the NBA draft. We'll have a lot more knowledge once we know what these final destinations are, what crazy trades happen that 
may have changed some fantasy scenarios around certain players, but um, certainly more news to come. The NBA free agency is about to start on July 1, so we have a lot of things coming up as the July 4th holiday approaches. So continue to tap in with us um, Tuesdays, 1 o'clock Eastern on Twitch. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Raf, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.